1 Kings 22, 1 Kings 22. Um, I want to say some words about critical race theory, and I think it'd be important to give you my background before I say those words later on. Um, I live in Chicago, but I'm, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and grew up there, and I went to a Catholic high school. Um, I was always Baptist, but I went to a Catholic high school. The only Catholic high school in New Orleans that was an all-black high school, and, and at that high school, we competed against all the other Catholic high schools, which were all dominantly white. Um, St. Augustine is very famous in New Orleans, Louisiana, for its, its heritage. Earlier this year, they had a, 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 um, a 60 Minutes piece on them. A movie was made about them, several politicians, um, several NFL guys. And, and one of our, our chants was, I've got, it was purple and gold school, it says gold on the left side, purple on the right, black in the middle, that makes me a knight. Uh, that was the, that was the, the chant. Um, at 18, I was still young. And my understanding at the time, young of my faith, was that if a university did not want me 75 years ago, then I didn't want to go now. Again, I was young, and so that's when I went to Howard University. And back then in the early 90s, that's when you had Dick Gregory and Ivan, San, uh, Ivan Van Sertima and all the lectures, and if you wanted to do anything in the African-American community, you had to visit Howard University sooner or later. And that was where I, 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 I grew in my understanding uh, of the world, but somewhere in between my sophomore year and my junior year, I was challenged with my faith, faith and I started to grow. I started to grow in my faith, and it was at that time I recognized there was something more devastating to humanity uh, than poverty or racism or cancer. Uh, something more devastating that if not dealt with, the ramifications were far worse than all of those three, and everything else put together, it was sin. And if you didn't deal with that, problems. So at that point, I accepted a call into ministry, and after that, I went to Howard, I'm sorry, I went to a Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in the Chicago area, and for the first time in my life, I attended uh, an educational institution that was not primarily African-American for the first time in my life. And so I say those things because I want you to understand the context by which I'm going to say other things later on about critical race theory. Uh, that's my background. Um, First Kings 22, uh, at New Hope Community Church in Palatine, Illinois, I like to take the titles of my sermon uh, and lift them up from uh, the text that we're gonna preach, uh, I preach on that morning. And I take it from Ahab, when Jehoshaphat says, is there someone we can inquire of the Lord? And Ahab responds, yeah, there's but one man we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. We're going to look at Micaiah, a profile and the courage to speak the truth. 
Before we go any further, let's open up a word of prayer. Let's pray. As always, Father God, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in each of our lives who call upon you as Lord. Lord, I ask that you visit us now and through your spirit convict us and encourage us. If your word and your spirit do not speak, then my words are meaningless. And I ask you, Lord, give us the strength and the courage to speak your truth regardless. For it's in your name we do pray. Amen. Courage is a non-negotiable. It is the non-negotiable trait for those who want to speak the truth of God. Courage, that's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. If you want to speak the truth of God in any setting, that's a non-negotiable. I don't care how much you think you know, I don't care how much you've studied. If you don't have the courage to open your mouth and speak, what good is it? At New Hope, we have a saying, don't tell me what you, you, what you believe. Tell me what you're willing to fight for. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you say. What are you willing to fight for? What are you, what are you willing to open your mouth and put yourself on the line? Courage is a non-negotiable. So we'll look, 1 Kings 22, I'll start at verse 1. As you know, Ahab is ruling in the north, Jehoshaphat in the south in Judah. Verse 1, for three years Syria and Israel continued without war, but in the third year Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, came down to king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Romoth Gilead belongs to us and we, we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? Which leads to the first point, and it's not necessarily Micaiah yet, it's Jehoshaphat. Here's the first point I want to bring out, is that uh, godly men must be careful who they partner with. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a good man. He had, one, he had one blind spot, though. He kept partnering with ungodly men. Verse 4, and he said, Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first from the word of the Lord. Now again, Jehoshaphat was a good man. Good man. He had, he had one weakness. He couldn't see who Ahab for who he was. And he partnered with him, and Chronicles tells us he was chastised because of this, not once but twice because he did it later on in his life, also partnering with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel gathered, verse 6, the peep, the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up. For the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. 400 men speaking as one voice to a godless man, telling him exactly what he wanted to hear. It's 
Some things never change. We've got to be careful we're partner with. Here's the second point. Courage is grown over time and not made in an instant. The courage to speak is grown over time through being faithful in the small things. It's not made in an instant. Before there was a Goliath, there was tiger, there was lions and bears. Verse 7, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? Now, for whatever reason, Jehoshaphat, good man, good king, he looked at the 400 prophets and he said, uh-uh. Nah. Some people think that it was their refusal to use the sacred name when first approached. Some people say he knew who Ahab was. We're not absolutely sure, but for whatever reason, we know that Jehoshaphat has some insight to where he looked at all 400 prophets and says, no, no, this is not the no. Is there not another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? Ahab responded and responded and said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, son of Emmael, but, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Look in verse 8 what, 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 what Ahab actually admits to. He admits that the 400 prophets weren't sufficient. That the 400 prophets weren't actually prophesying in the name of Israel. I mean, I'm sorry, the God of Israel, the God of Judah, Yahweh. And when challenged, he said, yeah, that's one. Yeah, you're right, but I don't, I don't like him. I don't like him. And instead of changing, we, we learn later on in the text that Micaiah, even at this time, is probably on the guard somewhere because why? He had spent time speaking the truth to Ahab over and over again. And Ahab admits this ain't the first time. If I bring him now, he's going to do what he's always done. Not speak good about me. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Amiah. Courage has grown over time. When we see Micaiah now, this is not his first rodeo. He's done it before. And he's going to do it again. Which leads to the third point. Courage comes from speaking God's word. For the believer, for those who wish who wish to speak for God in the name of God, it comes not by your degrees. It comes from your ability to accurately speak the words of God in confidence. Verse 10, now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate, Samaria and all the prophets were prophesying before them. Here you have two kings and their kingly estates with their kingly robes. A big open space where they were holding court. Two kings. King of Israel, 
king of Judah. Their court all around them, their guards all around them, 400 prophets prophesying, saying exactly what the king wanted to hear. And this is the atmosphere by which Micaiah shows up. Verse 11, Zedekiah, the son of Shenaniah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied and said, Go up to Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give him into the hand of the king. And the messenger, verse, verse 13, who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold the words of the prophets, and one according are favorable uh, to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them. Speak favorably. The messenger says, all 400 of them are saying one thing, conform. Go with the crowd. Please the king. Speak favorably, but Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And we know from Ahab himself, this isn't the first time. And I'm sure this isn't the first time that he was pressured to not say what God says. Right now, he's in front of two kings with the courts, the professional religious people, the messenger threatening him. No. No, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, verse 15, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, watch this, go up in triumph, the Lord will give it to, into the hand of the king. He says the exact same thing that the 400 said, but he obviously said it in a mocking tone. <laughs> Micaiah, what should we go, what, what should the king think? Go up, king, go up, to, he'll give it to your hand. He's mocking Ahab. Ahab picks up on it, right? But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I, shall, uh, I saw all Israel, Micaiah responds. You want the truth? I'll give you the truth. Uh, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his own home. And the king of Israel uh, said to Jehoshaphat, see, I told you. I told you, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You want the truth? I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the whole truth. And I'll tell you things you don't want to hear. There 
before I heard hear the word of the Lord, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall? Ramoth Gilead. One said one thing and another said another. Then, then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, by, by what means? And he said, I will go out. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Oh! He's saying this at court, in front of the kings, and in front of the false teachers. You want the truth? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to all of you. And they say, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go, go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Micaiah. Not recorded that he asked his friend what he should speak. He didn't have a conference with his seminary professor. He didn't consult the latest journal. His source of speaking was but one source. What the Lord says what I will speak. And his confidence came from that. Courage comes. If you are a believer, if you believe God has called you to speak the truth, if you truly believe that God is sovereign, And if he said it, that should be enough for you. You don't need to test the winds. And before you speak, you don't have to have these thoughts that go through your head. What are going to be the ramifications? That's his area. Your area. To speak, to speak what he said. And that's what Micaiah did, which leads to the last point where I'm on time. Okay, which leads to the last point. Courage to speak must be coupled with the courage to suffer. The courage to speak has to go hand in hand with the courage to suffer. Zedekiah, the son of Shenanai, came near and struck Micaiah on the, on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? Zedekiah still thinks, he, he still thinks he's a true prophet. And he struck Micaiah. Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see 
On that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide yourself, and the king of Israel said, seize Micaiah, take him back to, to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. Take him back, which means he was already under guard. Take him back. And say, thus says the king, put the fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. Micaiah responds, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, here are you people. So as he's being dragged out of the door to hunger and thirst, as he parts, he, he preaches again, all you people, if that, if that man right there, Ahab, comes back in peace, I'm not speaking of the Lord. Courage to speak. Even when, he started, even when the proclamation of him suffering goes out, he still speaks. All you people, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And as we know how the story ends, uh, Ahab took him seriously, took off his kingly robes, remember? Told Jehoshaphat, you wear your kingly robes. You go ahead, you go ahead. I'll take mine off. And when Jehoshaphat is fighting, do you remember that when after Jehoshaphat, he screamed, ah, they realized it wasn't Ahab. They stopped chasing Ahab. And they were like, where is Ahab? And some fellow on the battlefield, accidentally picked up a bow and arrow, remember, and shot it out and killed Ahab. Thus fulfilling the words of Micaiah, the courage to speak the truth comes from being rooted in the word of God. The courage to suffer for speaking the word of God, understanding that he was faithful in few things, faithful in much. That on the little things, God will be my God, not fear. And I will speak the truth no matter the circumstance. Okay, now, critical race theory, real quickly, and then I'm done. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe this was the way I was born. But I have never been the type of person to beg anybody to be my friend. Never. Ever. I've never begged anyone to accept me or to love me. I was perfectly fine with playing with my action figures by myself. <laughs> if I had to. If I had to. I've never lacked friends, but, but I never begged anybody to affirm me. And that was just, that was just in the flesh. When, when I started to grow in the Lord, my sophomore and junior years, and I, and I, and I whoa, I, I'm affirmed in Christ? Whoa, baby. If you think I didn't care what you thought about me before, <laughs> I darn sure didn't care what you thought about me afterwards. And so I was never the type of person to, to constantly beg someone to be my friend. Rather play by myself. And now, now, now this, this isn't founders, okay? This is me. Okay, this, isn't, this, this, this is me. 
the desire for one group, the lust of African Americans to have the white community confirm the black community in their victimhood through critical race theory is amazing to me. It's amazing to me. You see, again, it's not found, this is me. If I gotta beg you over and over and over and over and over to like me, or if I have to beg you over and over and over to agree with me, or if I have to keep encouraging you to confirm me in what I see victimhood, then I've given you all the power. I've given you all the power. At some point, I cared too much of what you thought about me instead of being confirmed in him. I was never that type of person. But nowadays, we, we, we have, I'll just say it, minorities, African Americans, coming up with critical race theory, coming up with with issues of saying, and, and it changed on me. When I was following the issue five years ago, it changed on me. It went from systemic racism is, is, is racism built within the culture and laws and practices. And I said, wait, Jim Crow is gone, redlining is gone. And it changed on me. No, it's the effects of it that pertains to today. And it, it's hard for me to get a grip on it because it's always changing seems like to me. And so I get to the point where I say, at what point do you say, who cares? <laughs> who, who cares what you think about me? And listen, I, I've never, to be honest, I don't need white groups to affirm me, and I don't need black groups to affirm me. Because if you think a conservative who have conservative views and conservative political leanings. Uh, let me tell you something. Thanksgiving is always fun. <laughs> right? Always. Family reunions, the hoop. <laughs> but if I'm confirmed in him, why do I care? I don't believe in that. Even if it's true, even if it's true, why am I going to beg? Even if it's true, at what point does the believer, now the world, they have no hope. There's no hope. I'm not going to give you false hope outside of Christ. You have no hope outside of Christ. You have none. But as a believer, at what point do you say you can have this world? I'm looking for a city not made with hands. You can have it. At what point? And the lust to, and my opinion this is me, the, the lust to confirm in this victimhood mentality. At what point do you read the scriptures and say, no, I'm a more than a conqueror. 
through him who loved me. Now, if you want to be racist, go ahead. Go in the corner, be racist. That's fine. Go off, be by yourself. But I'm not going to let your view affect me. That's your problem. That's not my problem. I'm not going to let your problem rob me of my joy. And I'm not going to let your problem warp my theology to the point where I have to twist the gospel into making you like me. That's, 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 um, we were talking about it at our church. To me, it's not even a good con. To me, <laughs> I've seen better, trust me. But at any point, well, I have to beg you to affirm my hurts, my pains, true or not, perceived or not. To me, that's giving you too much power. As believers, we should give one man the power to define me, the power to make me happy and sad, and although the sad part, not too many. Now, when he tells me I got to forgive certain people, that's, that's, but that, that's fine. I'll do it out of sheer obedience. But I learned to respond to him, not others. And when we do that, when our identity is rooted in Christ, then that's the courage to speak. Because our lives should be dedicated, lived by, and if necessary, to die to please but one. Amen. And that's where the courage to speak comes from. Thank you.